Hey everyone, welcome to the It's Not Therapy Therapy Podcast with me, your host, Rachel Tuckman, licensed mental health counselor. Um, just want to introduce myself a little bit, tell you about this podcast. My name is Rachel Tuckman. I'm a therapist in the five towns working with kids, adults, and women with infertility post-hysterectomy. And I called this podcast the It's Not Therapy Therapy Podcast because I want you guys just to remember that I am here to share bits of wisdom, tools for well-being, things for you to reflect on, self-worth, shame, guilt. But this is really just an educational uh, podcast. I really just want you to use this as a way to introspect and think and um, use this as a springboard for, you know, further growth and um, remembering that I can't provide therapy for you over a podcast or over Instagram. I can only provide education. So really, this is, I guess, education podcast. Um, so I want you guys to remember that. And if anything I say resonates with you and you feel like you want to explore it more, reach out to a therapist in your area. Um, if I can, I'm happy to give you referrals, but look to explore that more. Um, so anything I say here, again, I want you to take it within the context of your life and what makes sense for you. And to remember that I can't be speaking to you specifically because I don't know your history. I don't know your story. I'm just talking about just general concepts um, that, you know, apply to mental health in general. But again, it may not be specific for you. So I always want you to kind of be using your, your head and thinking, but enjoy. And I love your feedback. So let me know what you think of my podcast today. Thanks a lot. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm talking about transitioning back to school for you and your kids. So transitioning back to school, our kids are getting ready to learn. They're adjusting. Transitions are hard for everyone. For you, getting back in the swing of getting kids up, packing lunches, getting them on the bus, you know, it's a lot more stressful than the the summers. Um, and for your kids, getting back to learning, sitting at a desk, homework, it's a lot of adjustment. And that can unearth a lot of unresolved feelings for kids and for you. Sometimes it starts right away. And sometimes your kids can be doing great in school for the first couple of weeks. And then, you know, a few weeks in, they start getting stressed out and, and you know, the adjustment issues start coming up more. And sometimes, you know, parents get confused. I thought you were so happy. You were doing great. And then they see that, you know, their kids are having a hard time. So if that happens, know that it's normal. It's important for us as parents, though, to have the tools to support our kids and ourselves through this time. So by using the tools of listening and connection, you'll help build resiliency, emotion regulation, and a wonderful sense of self-fortitude and confidence in your children. So how do we do that? You have to have connection built into your daily schedule. It's vital for learning, whether the kid likes the, if they, if your child likes their teacher versus, you know, them not liking it, you know, your kids do well in the classes that they love, right? So play is important. Connection with their peers, feeling cared about at school gives them the sense of belonging and helps them to be receptive to learning. And there is actually a study on school connectedness done by this, uh, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention that showed that kids who felt connected to their school are less likely to engage in risky behaviors. They do better academically. They have better attendance. So what is school connectedness? That's the belief by a student that the adults and peers in their school care about their learning and themselves as individuals. And kids are more likely to succeed when they feel connected to their school. Connectedness is a term to describe a healthy, protected relationship between young people and the people in their environment that they live. 
So it implies a sense of respect and belonging and feeling that you're valued. So connected kids learn better. So when your school, you know, makes a, a school trip and you're like, eh, just stay home. It's a trip. You're taking away an opportunity for your child to feel connected in school. There's a reason schools plan trips. It's not just because they don't want to teach. It's because it's important in helping kids have a sense of belonging, kind of like building up that school spirit, helping to build that connection to education. So that's school connectedness. So how do we get connected with our kids around the school day, right? They go to school. They're disconnected from us. That's not a bad thing. We want to make sure, though, that when they're disconnected from us, they're connected to school. And that's why I think it's important that you send on those trips. You make sure, you know, that they're adjusting well, that it is important to you, that you're kind of on the same team as the school, um, and that you have a good attitude about the school that you send to. So we need to get reconnected with them, though, when they get home from school. Um, so the first thing you can do is you connect in the morning so that they get filled up just like breakfast is that physical fuel to perform that connecting with them emotionally is that emotional fuel to perform. So you can engage in something that I call the deliberate hello and the deliberate goodbye. So in the morning you may have to get up a little bit earlier, not even that much, maybe five minutes just to give this time to your kids. And it's important because again, it ensures success and happiness for them in the long run. So short term, it might be a little bit more of a thought process for you, but long-term they do better. So it makes their life better and your life better. So in the morning, get into bed with them for a few minutes before you, you know, before it's get up and get dressed, hurry, brush your teeth, right? Get into bed with them, rub their back, give them a kiss, snuggle them up. Good morning. How did you sleep? Did you have any dreams? And then, you know, okay, now time to get up. Let's brush your teeth, get dressed, right? Eye contact with them in the morning, so I know it's hard. You know, we're looking at the bus chats. We're checking our texts. We're running around the kitchen. We're throwing things together. But try to keep that phone down and make eye contact with your kid. Talk to them in the morning. When you pick them up or you see them after school, make eye contact with them and be present. And if you're not home when they get home, FaceTime with them. Look at them. Don't be looking at your computer while they're telling you about their day. Stop and look. How was your day? Did you have a great time? Who'd you sit with? How was lunch? Who'd you play with? What was the best part of the day? Amazing. I can't wait to see you when I get home, right? Special time with each kid is important, meaning it again, it doesn't have to be a big grand thing. It could be the two minutes that you're standing with them waiting for the bus or, you know, walking them out to the bus even instead of just like letting them run out the door. Let me walk you just to the corner, something like that. So having that special time, again, it's kid driven and you're totally present for them. It's all about the kids. Um, It's crucial to connect with them when things are hard. And you can use this special time when kids are stressed. So if they're having a hard morning, you can make that special time that, you know, what? okay, let's go out a few minutes early for the bus and let's like, you know, do jumping jacks, jump up and down, jump rope, something, you know, giving time to this child to kind of like feel connected to you. There was a study done by John Gottman. He's a famous psychologist. I'm sure many of you have heard from it, have heard of him. And if you haven't, don't feel dumb. He's a famous psychologist and he works primarily, he works with couples and he has um, done a lot of work on marriage and connection. And he, he found that men who kiss their wives live longer and have a more positive outlook on their life and vice versa. So why wouldn't that work for kids, right? To give them a kiss and a hug that they'll have a more positive outlook on life. Let's do that, right? Let's be deliberate. Let's get down on their level. Give them a kiss. Give them a hug. Make eye contact. There's so much research on the importance of eye contact. 
give them a hug and give them a bracha. I remember I once heard Slava Youngreis speak and she said, when your kids leave, like give them some kind of like blessing before they go, right? Not like, oh, you know, you better. I hope you do well on that test. You didn't study. We don't want to leave them on a negative note, right? Like, oh, you had a horrible attitude this morning and said like, good luck on your test. I hope you have an amazing day. I love you. Be matzliach, whatever it is, right? Just leaving them with like a positive vibe, you know, um, and listen to them. Pay attention to what they're saying. You know, sometimes we're so caught up in, in our phones and in our business. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. And then our kids are like, you're not even listening. They know that we're not listening. So try meaningful responses. Be engaged to show that you're listening, mirroring, right? Repeating back your own, their using your own words and repeating what they said. So, oh man, it sounds like you had a hard time with, you know, with Shira today. She wasn't being so nice to you. That's rough, right? Showing them that we heard what they said instead of like, oh, mm -hmm, yeah, okay, right? If you drive your kids to school, look in the mirror, right? In the rear view mirror occasionally, make eye contact, reach back and hold their hand, stay connected. That's also special time. Again, special time doesn't mean going for ice cream and sitting for a half hour. It could be the littlest things. If you walk them to school, how do you, how do you want to walk to school today? You know, Chevy, do you want to skip, jump, laugh, whatever it is, sing a song, connect with them. We want to ensure that we do no harm as parents. So, and we want to increase safety and a sense of connection. So we don't want to be nagging. We don't want to be rushing. We don't want to be yelling. We don't want to stress them out. So you have to make sure that you're giving them a developmentally appropriate time to get ready in the morning and in the afternoon, make time for play, make time for downtime. Don't overschedule them. They don't need to have an activity every single night and the weekends. Let them have some time to just like veg out and not do anything, right? They work hard, kids. Kids are in school for a really long time. Some of them have longer days than some adults do. So let's give them that time. It's important to let go of expectations, right? So it's okay for them to be late for school if they're losing it. It's okay for them not to have match socks or no vegetable for their healthy snack because they didn't want to bring that today. It's okay. At the end of the day, you just have to let them be. And it's more important to send them happy than it is to just like shove them into their teacher's arms so that they're there at, you know, eight, 10 on the button. Um, when they get home from school, don't interrogate them. Know their temperament. Connect with them first, right? I missed you. I'm so happy to see you. And then you can ask specific questions. Who'd you sit with at lunch? Who'd you play with at recess? How do you think you did on that test today? What was your favorite part of the day? The least favorite part of the day? And if they complain, resist the urge to fix. And that's really hard. But if they come in and they say, you know, my teacher hates me, instead of saying, no, she doesn't, that's our auto response. We stay listening. We empathize. We validate their feelings. Ugh, you think your teacher hates you? That's awful, right? I have no friends. We don't say, no, wait, what do you mean? You have tons of friends. That must be so hard. I'm here for you. What can you do about that, right? We don't try to make it better. We we always tell our kids, it's okay, you'll be fine. I'll talk to the teacher. I'll call the mom. We're this like fixing society where we don't want our kids to ever be uncomfortable for one minute and we always have to make it better. We're always intervening, but that's not the answer. We don't have to fix. We just have to hold their feelings for them. And if we do, we give them the opportunity to figure out their problems on their own, right? We're lovingly handing back the problem to them. That builds resiliency. It shows them they can come up against something hard and they can find the answers themselves. You don't give them the answers. You give them the opportunity to trust themselves and that builds self-fortitude. It's hard to watch your kids suffer and you want to give them everything that you, you know, a 30 or 40 year old knows, but that's not for an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old to know. We want them to be self-reliant. 
they have to find out for themselves. They have to experience it and they have to learn. So we really have to step back and we have to let them see that they can handle it as hard as that is. Um, and when they come home in a bad mood, remember, things happen all day. They store it up. And when they get to a safe place, they let it out. So instead of taking it personally, like, oh, this kid, they're so unappreciative. They hate me. No, this is the safe place where they can be themselves. So I'm going to let them have this. So when you see this kind of like off-track behavior that they're being disrespectful or unkind, you know, sometimes right away we're correcting them. I don't like the way you're speaking. That's not nice, right? Really what we should be doing is we should be connecting first. We, when we connect with them, they soften and they come around and they appreciate what we're saying. So we have to connect before we correct. That should be your mantra in your home. Connect before you correct, right? So when they come in and they're acting all kind of rude, you could say, wow, I know you wouldn't be acting like this if something wasn't wrong. Are you okay? Right? So they might be like, oh, I had the worst day and they might spill. They might be like, no, nothing's wrong. And again, know your kid, but, you know, lighten them up, maybe with tickles or a joke or putting on a song and start dancing. But that behavior signals that something's wrong. So you have to stay listening. You have to connect with them. You have to to show them that I'm here for you and I'm not judging you and I'm not punishing you for your feelings right now. So connect before you correct. Um, if your kid is having a hard time with school starting, it's okay. It's allowed to be scary and overwhelming. They still need to put one foot in front of the other. They can't avoid. Hold space for those negative feelings, and that's okay. They can have those negative feelings. They don't need to focus on the positive, and we don't have to fix them. So that's really important for us to just accept their feelings as they are and let them just be. I know it's hard. It might take time even for them. It might be a month, you know, a couple of months until things start settling down, but you getting involved and trying to fix it for them will not make it any better. And then when something arises again, they're going to be in a position where they feel helpless. So you're giving them this confidence that like, you know what? I can handle hard things. I've been here before. I remember at the beginning of the year, I had this and you know what? I, I did X, Y, and Z and I survived. So you want to give them the opportunity to build those reminder bridges for themselves of times that they faced hardship before so that they'll be able to handle the next hardship because that's what life is. There's always challenges. There's always obstacles, but they have to know that they can see those obstacles and they can get through them, right? They don't have to avoid them. They don't have to run away. They don't have to be afraid of them. They can continue on and be okay. And that's really important for kids to learn. Um, and we want them to learn now when the problems are little, not when they're big, when it's little things, when it's not such massive life-changing, life-altering situations, when it's like, I don't like the teacher or that girl's mean to me or like, you know, I didn't get the seat I wanted on the bus. Let that be the problems where they learn that self-agency so that when it's bigger stuff, they have they have those foundations. They have those building blocks already set in place. They have that mindset of like, I can do this. I'll be okay. So now we want to tie it all together, Right with self-care. I have to remind you that you cannot give your kids what you do not have. So in order to give to them, we need to be full ourselves. We need to be able to manage our emotions. And in order to do that, we have to engage in self-care. It's a pretty trendy term, self-care, right? We hear it and we think like, oh, a manicure, going to lunch with my friends. Like, I don't have time for that. So let me explain what self-care is. Self-care can be those things, but it's any activity that we do deliberately to take care of our emotional, mental, and physical health. And engaging in self-care improves our mood. It reduces anxiety. So it's not selfish um, and it's necessary. So self-care could be something like not answering a text that you get 
You know, you don't have to answer right away. Maybe not, you know, putting your phone down for a little bit, reading a book. It could be going to the bathroom when you need to. How many of you hold in your pee all day long? Like I know that this is something I am working on, that when we have to go to the bathroom, we find 700, well, I need to do the dishes and I need to put dinner in the oven. And this one just came home with the homework and we're like crisscrossing, keeping it in until either we like, we forget that we even had to go or it's like super urgent. That's like the the most minor thing, but so many of us don't do that. So engage in self-care, listen to your body, eating when you're hungry right? How many of us like just don't have any time? We don't make time to prepare a meal for ourselves and sit down and eat. We're running on the go. Self-care means like, you know, what? I'm going to take five minutes and enjoy my coffee today. That could be self-care. Um, so again, it's not big grand things. It's just little things that take care of you. And it's not selfish because the analogy we always give of self-care is on the airplane when they tell you secure your mask, your oxygen mask before you do anyone else's, right? The reason they tell you that is because you're of no good if you're not getting oxygen. If you're trying to put the mask on your kid and you're running out of air, you're going to faint. And then what happens? Your child's mask isn't secured and yours isn't secured. So nobody's in a good spot. You need to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. So we have to remember that that self-care is that oxygen. We need to we need to be giving ourselves oxygen so that we can take care of those around us. Know your triggers, know, you know, exhaustion, sleep, work deadlines, a chronic illness. Take care of yourself. Make sure you get enough rest. Make sure that if you have a chronic illness, you're taking care of it. You're seeing the doctor. You're taking your medications. Everyone loses it. It just looks different for everyone. So don't think that there's any mom or dad in the world that's like never yelling at their kid or never getting frustrated. They are. And it's not a matter of willpower. It's the human experience. But you have to take responsibility for your emotions. Be kind to yourself. And don't give so much power to your kids. Don't give them the ability to make or break your emotions. Know that you have buttons that get pushed. Recognize them and take care of them. Get curious. Practice mindfulness. When you get mad at your kids, what they're doing, say, why am I losing it? Be a scientist. Like, what's going on? Why is it that this stresses me out so much? Notice, is it certain people? Is it when I travel, when I go to the airport, I'm like a disaster? Like, what is it? And and be mindful the next time you're traveling to kind of give yourself more time, to take a deep breath, to hold your reactions. Is it, you know, Arab Shabbos before the weekend, cooking before a holiday? Is there something I could do to manage my time better? Maybe to change my menu, to ask someone to help cook? Is social media a trigger for me when I'm scrolling and I'm seeing everyone's lives and then I kind of like put my phone down and look at my own? Does that make me feel less patient and less tolerant of certain behavior? So know those triggers and remember that you can interrupt the cycle at any time. This is so important. You can stop yelling or being mean or saying the not nice thing at any moment. So even if you started it, you can stop. You don't have to finish. You can be losing it and say, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I need to stop. Guys, I'm really sorry. I'm getting so mad and I'm, I'm like getting out of control. I'm going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back to this. You don't look bad. You don't look like you're like not an authority. You don't look like you're someone to be disrespected. All the more so it's such a great example to our kids to show there's always an opportunity to start again. We can always do better at any point in time. We can do the right thing. And if you want your kids to listen, you have to have a relationship with them. And the way that we erode that relationship is through criticism and yelling and being disconnected, right? So just like I talked about that school connectedness in the beginning, how it's so important for our kids to be able to learn. They need to feel connected. They need to feel accepted and cared for. 
at home too. These are protective factors that help our kids succeed. When they feel like they belong and that they're important, they feel like they want to be successful and that they can be. So there's even things you can do at home to, besides that listening and, and, and being connected in terms of, you know, um, eye contact and getting into their bed. There's also like giving them jobs around the house, showing them that they matter, that you need them to pitch in, that their presence is valuable. So making their bed, setting the table, cleaning up, helping with their siblings, bringing in the groceries. These are things that are life skills, but that also increase their confidence. So don't just say to yourself, "Ugh, it's easier and faster if I do it. You're stealing opportunities for them to feel good about themselves and to see how skilled they are at taking care of things and how valuable they are. And I just want to close with this um, one line. There's a verse in Tehillim in Psalms that says, um, And it means, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of one's youth. So kids are likened to arrows. I think that Dr. David Pelkovitz actually gives this example, um, this analogy. And he says that just like in archery, and I know this because I have watched YouTube videos of archery and they're very boring. So just take my word for it. But, um, in order to achieve better aim, you have to pull the arrow close to you. You don't hold it away from your chest. You don't hold it high in the air. You don't hold it below you. You hold it close to you. So that's the same for our kids in order to get them to, to go where we want them to, to be in the direction that we want to get that goal of being the kind of person we want them to be. We have to hold them close to us. We can't put them above us and give us every, give them everything they want and think that they're perfect and amazing and never recognize their flaws and never try to help them improve. And we can't put them below us and think like, Oh, well, I'm the parent. They're the kid. They have to just listen to me. Their thoughts and opinions don't matter. They need to be close to us. They need to be equal to us. And that doesn't mean that we give them the same opportunities as we have because we're adults and obviously kids do not get the same rights and privileges as as um, adults do. But we treat them with the same respect and the same consideration and the same acknowledgement that they are human beings with feelings. And also arrows go the way that we aim, but we have to be careful and thoughtful and precise. You don't just pick up a bow and arrow and just shoot. You pick it up. You aim. You take a minute. You pull back. You make sure that it's, you know, exactly where you want it to go. It's not just this like haphazard, you know, impulsive thing. It's very deliberate. It's very thought out. It's very, very careful. So the same thing too with our kids. We need to be thought out. We need to be careful. We need to be exact. And again, it's not going to be perfect. Sometimes you shoot an arrow and a gust of wind will come and it'll shoot it away and it doesn't go the way you wanted. And sometimes that happens. Parents can do everything and their kid doesn't go in the, in the derech that they want. They don't go in the direction that they want. And it's not any fault of their own. They've done everything they can. But sometimes, you know, life circumstances happen and, and our kid doesn't go the exact direction we want. But we can go pick up that arrow and try again. And remember that you can pick up your child at, at a low point and you can try again. You can aim again. Don't give up. So I think that that's very important for parents to remember that we are, you know, in such a delicate position where we're caring for these future adults. You're not raising kids. You're raising adults. And you have to be who you want them to be. You have to have the things that you want them to have. You have to be kind. You have to be calm. You have to work on your confidence. You have to be helpful and have a sense of agency so that they'll also have that. That's really important. And remember that your attitude about their schooling and their teachers and their peers, they're going to internalize that. They're listening 
right? They're looking at what you're doing more than what you're saying to them. They're looking at what you're doing and how you're behaving. So you might be like, be nice to your friends. But then if you're on the phone with your friend and you're talking about, you know, this chick down the block, this lady that you saw at Shul and oh, she's so annoying. They're kind of internalizing that a lot more than what you said. So we have to make sure that we're practicing what we preach and that not just that we're being kind to other friends in the neighborhood, but that we're being kind to them, so to tell them to be kind, but then tell them you, you know, can't stand them or they're annoying or they're a brat. That also is like a, a hypocrisy that we want to make sure that we're not practicing and that we're not showing them. So to conclude and to summarize, stay listening, right? When your kid comes home and they're telling you about their day and they hate their teacher and they feel dumb and nobody likes them, do not fix for them. Do not deny their feelings. Empathize, validate. Stay listening. Let them figure it out. Take the problem from them. Hold it for them while they share and then give it back. Oh my gosh, that sounds terrible, Javi. What are you going to do about this? What do you want to do, Dave? Do you want to call the rabbi, the principal? Do you want to speak to your teacher? What do you want to do? I'm here for you. I'm going to support you. You stand beside them. You hold their hand, but you let them do it. And again, it teaches them that they can do hard things, that they are capable, that they don't need people to figure it out for them. They have it within themselves. The best solution to the problem lays within them. They have the solutions and they need to know that. So you want to give them that opportunity. And again, helping them to avoid hard things, that's just not life. So let's let them experience the hard things now when they're little and they're not so significant and the consequences are not so great rather than when they're adults and the consequences are more severe. We don't want them to ever be put in that position, God forbid. So our role, again, as parents is to really hold their hands, stand beside them, support them, but let them figure it out. And again, having that positive attitude about school, making sure they're there, making sure that, you know, their attendance is is up to what it should be, that they're not skipping for no reason, that they're going on the class trips, that they have a good attitude about their teachers. And if there is a problem, asking them, how can you fix this? Can you go talk to the teacher? Can you go speak to the principal before you start emailing and getting involved, right? You let them try to advocate for themselves. So hopefully you guys have learned something valuable from all of this today. And I am wishing everyone a wonderful, happy, healthy, successful, fulfilled year for you and your families. And may we all know only good things. And when the bad things come around, may we know how to get through them and come out better, stronger, more resilient people. Have a good one. If you like what you heard here today, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Tuckman LMHC. I'm also on Facebook. You can just look up my name, Rachel Tuckman. And just a reminder that everything you heard here today is just educational and informational and does not necessarily apply to you. So if you heard something that resonates with you, I encourage you to talk it out with a friend, a family member, a therapist, and figure out how it could possibly work for you. Um, and if not, then you can just leave it here and go about your day. Thanks for being here with me.